Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the host of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry, bringing you another amazing episode with Dr. Sylvia Gonsonboli, who is, if you remember that name, is actually a repeat guest of ours. I was very fortunate enough to get her back on the second time because I know she's crazy busy, but I was able to get her back because I had a lot of feedback from her previous episode, which was episode 93, if you're unfamiliar or if you're just a new subscriber since the last time she was on and she talked about obesity obesity related medicine and gave us a lot of tips on how to kind of get us and keep us on our new year's resolutions especially because a lot of them tend to fall under the wanted to lose weight category so we got it back and again i got a question from the listening community well dr barry i'm a busy mom i work I take care of the kids. I take care of my family. I really don't have the time to be healthy. Like, what can I do? And that's where, you know what? I said, I could have gave her some tips, right? I could have gave her some tips. They probably wouldn't have been the best, but I figured if I'm going to talk about weight loss tips and especially for my busy moms out there, why not bring America's obesity specialist to talk to us, to educate us, to really get us on the right path. So this episode is going to be for my busy moms out there who has way too much responsibilities, way too many things to do. And unfortunately, what happens, right, and we all know, is that the health tends to fall by the wayside, right? Like usually you have to take care of everyone's personal well-being and housing and work and everything else tends to happen. And unfortunately, our health usually suffers, right? That usually is the case in, in this standpoint here. So we have a Dr. Sylvia Gonsamboli to really educate our busy moms and gives us tips on how to stay on our weight journey, right? And see, we're going to talk about weight journey a lot because I think, and I loved it because a lot of times we think about weight loss as this point A to point B type of thing. But really what she talks about, she says, no, this is a lifestyle change that you have to like go for the rest of your life, right? So even when you get to that goal weight, you have to understand like you have to keep on going. Like that's just the the, the second part, right? We, we, we broke it down in parts. So that's just the second part, just getting to the weight. So quick little bio again, if you had not checked out episode 93, please go back and check out episode 93. It's uh, drbearpierre.com forward slash LLP. 093 because it was an amazing guest, especially it was an amazing topic. And again, we're hitting home today with the busy moms. So Dr. Sylvia Gonsamboli, just to kind of give a little quick bio from her. She's a board certified internal medicine physician. She's an obesity medicine specialist who helps inspire optimal health through honesty and hope. She lost 40 pounds overcoming emotional eating and physical inactivity. Uh, she has both personal as well as professional expertise in weight loss as well as weight maintenance. As a working mom herself, a wife and self-professed foodie, she keenly understands the limitations that prevent busy people from achieving their health goals. Dr. Bowley is a passionate is passionate about helping busy people, especially working women, obtain and maintain their happy and healthy weight. At the end, we're going to give you her links to follow her because she's pretty much on all social medias just like I am. Even in the show notes, you'll have a, a chance to find where 
where she's at because again this is a person you need to follow she does actually weekly teachings on health and weight loss and again is absolutely amazing amazing person like i said i was very fortunate enough to get here a second time around so again if you have not had a chance remember subscribe to the podcast leave five star reviews and let her know how great she did on this podcast because i tell you she blew it out the water you guys have a great day This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. All right, Lunch Learn community, we have a repeat guest on today's episode and definitely one that was, you know, really requested that you guys loved her episode, you know, Dr. Bully and, you know, she's she's come back, right? You know, I was I was able to, to get her to come back for at least one more time. I haven't annoyed her too much. And she's really going to be talking about your, the busy mom, right? And I know I have a lot of Lunch and Learn community listeners who run into that issue of, you know, having to balance their health, their their kids' well-being, their spouse's well-being, and everything everything, job, everything else. And unfortunately, the health tends to fall at the wayside. So ladies and gentlemen, please, again, a, a quick little introduction again. And thank you for Dr. Bowley for coming back to the Lunch Learn, Dr. Barry. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Barry. You know, I love being here. You're so wonderful. So thank you for having me back and for, and I love the Lunch and Learn community and just the, the, fact that you're spreading this information because it's so important and the diversity and the topics that you're sharing also. So thank you for having me back. So for for those who, again, maybe maybe someone, you know, because we got a lot of listeners since the last time we talked, right? So just give them a little bit of introduction of who you are, you know, why you're so important and, you know, why, uh, you know, I was getting fortunate enough to kind of get you for a second time around. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, so I am Dr. Sylvia Gonzaboli. I am board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine, but I probably should back up because, you know, we all have this program spiel that we do, but I am a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a doctor, I'm a runner, I'm a foodie, <laughs> so I have many <laughs> hats, and, and but I'm passionate about helping busy people, especially working women, obtain and maintain our happy, healthy weight through practical lifestyle interventions. And this, for me, all kind of started with my own weight loss journey, which began in 2014, late 2014. But I count 2015 as my actual start. That was when I did my first 10K. I trained up to that and did it. So I've just celebrated five years on my fitness and weight loss journey. And and, and I don't even like calling it a weight loss journey. We'll talk about that, but uh, my weight journey. So I have personal and professional experience with it. When I started this journey, it was about a year and a half after having my first my first child my son for those of you who don't follow me on Facebook or on social media I have a second child now I'm five months postpartum so but with my first child that was when this what I'm going to talk about today really hit home for me you know I was getting used to being a new mom I was just finishing up my residency I was a chief resident transitioning to a chief resident which for us is an extra fourth year and also I'm an attending so becoming like stepping into my 
new into my career. And then I was also just getting used to everything. And so I put everything ahead of me and my health and my weight, even though I was preaching health to other people, right? So I was 40 pounds overweight by the time my son was one. And I kind of held on to that for about a year and a half. So finally, it started to impact the way I was counseling patients. Like I couldn't, um, you know, I would be like, what did you eat for lunch? And then I would hear in my own head, what did you eat for lunch? Uh (laughs) So exercise, (laughs) like I would ask the patient, did you exercise? I hear a little voice. Did, did you exercise? And, and so it, I started to feel very convicted about what I was doing. So this, for that reason, I started and I started to focus on my own health and prioritizing it. And I started by training for that race, which is the Monument 10K. It's a popular race here in Richmond, Virginia, where I live. And and then from then, just kept building and building and and growing. But it's not easy, you know. So because of that, I know, like I said, it's hard to fit in fitness. It's challenging to make those healthy food choices, especially when you're stressed, especially when you're busy. So I know that the journey has to be individualized in some ways. Like we can share in community in terms of encouraging each each other. And there are some general things, themes to it that we can do, but you really have to address your own individual journey to try to be able to fit this in. And and it's interesting. I know, and and we definitely, I think we should definitely touch on a a few parts. One, I I, want to highlight that she said that this is one of her first 10Ks, which means she's run multiple, which is (laughs) (laughs) which is absolutely amazing and uh, you you talk about the weight journey I I take care of a lot of patients now I do inpatient medicine so I tend to see a lot of end-stage stuff when I did inpatient medicine outpatient medicine you know it it was always that that start right where I used to see a lot Mm -hmm. of patients at the beginning and Mm -hmm. uh, I think they were they were mentally at the point where they're saying doc like I'm ready right to lose some weight but they didn't necessarily know how and Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of times a lot of times it was that population of the, those moms, those women who who were busy lifing. Like again, it is not like mm-hmm. they weren't doing anything. Life was just happening all around them. And mm-hmm. uh, whether it be work, whether it be school, whether it be taking care of kids, whether it be taking care of their, their family, uh, and unfortunately, the their health got left on the back burner. So exactly. when when you talk about your, your your personal weight journey, was it like were those patients like the big? Like kind of like step that said, you know what? Like I got to do something because I like how can I keep looking at my patients over and over and over again and tell them exactly what they need to do uh, to lose weight, but I'm not personally following it myself. Definitely, I mean because you know, like I mentioned, I think in the last podcast, there's a study out there that shows that physicians who are overweight or have obesity are less likely to counsel their patients on it. And I think for me personally, I started to feel that, understand that because I almost felt like a hypocrite, you know, talking to people about what they were doing and I was not doing it and living it. So I, once I noticed that it was starting to, and it had gotten to the point that I felt it was starting to impact the way I was able to deliver care, especially to a set population of patients that really needed the care, then I said, okay, it's time for me to reevaluate it. And I think for me personally, how it, why it was helpful, it really improved by empathy, right? Because there's something different. And we all know this, we're both parents. So, you know, there's different from book learning, like there's things we would Uh say by the book as a parent, but once you have your own child, you're like, and you see the nuances and different, like, 
oh, you know, maybe I can't do that. Maybe an extra 30 minutes of screen time is okay today. That's just what it, it boils down to. So that's what I think happened. And so what I realized that, that I had to do was to, number one, stop just telling people what to do and think about why. And so, and think about what I was doing. And that let me be able to help to empathize and to better help people. So the first step um, really was I stopped beating myself up (laughs) and being very negative because, you know, I was setting these lofty goals that weren't really attainable for a person who had a then 16-month-old child and also had a busy professional husband and had a lot and was working full-time. So maybe really saying that I need to work out 30 minutes every day wasn't going to happen initially in the beginning or saying that I should eat, you know, go from drinking soda to drinking water every day. That was going to be challenging because you got to get acclimated to that that decrease. And and that's on many levels, not just psychologically, but also physiologically, your body's just used to a certain level of sweetness and you got to tone it down till you're able to tolerate the regular water, plain water. I had to get used oh, to yes. drinking water again. Gotta get used to it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, sometimes I look at juice now, I'm like, ah, that looks so good. <laughs> I'll do it. Get back. Yeah. Yeah. Now the goals were were their goals that, you know, were kind of placed upon you. Like people thought like, well, you should be able to do, you know, 30 minutes every day. You should just cold turkey drink juice. Was those like just kind of like outside goals that are kind of weighted upon you? Were those kind of like internalized in yourself? And then you kind of realize like Mm-hmm. This is not the this is not a successful route if I continue to try to go this way. Yeah, well, I think you know, we have guidelines, right, as as physicians and as dietitians, health community. So there are guidelines set, right? So the American Heart Association recommends that we get 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week. So that's two and a half hours of exercise per week. And moderate being that you can move without singing. So like while you're jogging, while you're walking, you're moving fast enough that you're not singing or an hour and a half of vigorous exercise, which is moving fast enough you can't talk while you exercise. So that's the American Heart Association guideline. So that, of course, is what I would strive for because that's what I'm counseling my patients on. Now, the dietary guidelines are controversial for people. There are people, you know, who don't believe in meat, don't believe in dairy, things like that. Personally, I feel like the literature really supports more of a Mediterranean diet and as close to plant-based as you can be, which is hard because I do love my chicken. (laughs) I love chicken. So (laughs) unapologetically, I've tried. So but you know so my goal was to really minimize I don't eat red meat or pork since I was since age 15 so that wasn't hard for me but cutting back on like chicken fried foods things like that and trying to eat as clean as possible which is minimizing processed foods so those were my goals based on all the data and all the things that I've seen about eating a healthy diet. So that, and for me, the big one was sugar, like, and is still cutting down on sugar because when I'm stressed, I tend to eat a lot of sugar. And that's, again, very a physiological thing because those high levels of cortisol make you want to eat more sugar. And no, so no, no one's stressed like a mom. No, 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 no one's out here stressed. <laughs> 
so that's where that so that's where I feel a lot of pressure came from because I knew the guidelines I know what I'm supposed to do but you know there's a gap between what I'm doing and what I need to do so when you were when you were making the mental transition even before you you made the the leap like physically as far as Mm -hmm. stopping doing things and you know working out more Mm -hmm. what was the support system like because I feel and when when I talk to when I talk to the moms out there a lot of times they feel like it's on their own like and they feel because it's on their own you know that's what makes it more difficult than not to even start and if they do start to continue exactly well I'm glad you talked about it so uh, let me characterize this what what I call it first and then then we'll get then I'll answer that question because I do want to talk about what I call I call this busy woman syndrome that's Mm. what I call it let's talk about it let's talk about it (laughs) (laughs) or for those people who are in the church also known as Martha syndrome so people who are familiar with the Bible and things like that so if you are not familiar with the bible i'll tell you real quick so it's a story about two sisters mary and martha and jesus comes to visit and this is paraphrased of course <laughs> but jesus <laughs> comes to visit their house and you know martha is all busy she's in the kitchen she's cooking she's cleaning up the house you know she's just all over the place busy like and really what i would be doing mary meanwhile is the chill sister she's chilling she's then gone sat by jesus at his feet just like enjoying the moment and Martha comes out and just like I could see myself do it is like hey Jesus like tell Mary to get some business about herself tell her to come help me let's get ready do something and instead of reprimanding Mary as you would expect Jesus actually says Martha, you are concerned about many things, meaning you got way too much going on. Mary has chosen the most important thing, which is to just be present in the moment, to enjoy the moment, and to spend time meaningfully with people she loves. So I think this is a perfect picture of kind of how we are. We put a lot on ourselves. And some of it, yes, is true. We must do it. I mean, we have to work have to cook, have to clean, like all these things, but there's a time and a place where we can actually, where we feel like we need to be doing something, where we can take a break and sit down and and be present in the moment. And I think when it comes to health, we have to carve out those moments where we can sit and be present and say, I'm going to prioritize my health. Whether that moment is eating something healthy or making a healthier choice or or is actually going out and exercising and doing something for a few minutes for ourselves. All right, more like Mary, less like Martha. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so now you, so you asked the question, um, what was the support system like? So that's why I kind of bring that up too. For me, I'm a person of faith. So I think a lot of times when we think about like our health journey, our weight journey in general, and again, getting back to this concept of weight being, and we can talk about Dr. Barry at the end, maybe about it being a weight journey and not just a weight loss journey. Because too Mm -hmm. often we focus on that weight loss. And once we get to that weight loss, it's like, oh, I lost the weight. Let me go back to eating what I ate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and you regain all the weight and you're back on another weight loss journey. So I really want to shift our mindset to it being a weight journey where that includes the weight loss, the weight maintenance and everything where we're doing it. So for the weight journey, it's so important not to do it in a vacuum. For me, I follow the philosophy of faith, family, friends, fitness and food. So I like alliteration. So all those F's. So, so my faith is the basis. So thinking about, you know, really for me, biblically, what does the Bible say about health and 
taking care of our bodies and being able to stay healthy and using that as a support in that some people who are a part of a faith community, maybe your church or your synagogue or your, you know, where a mosque has some resources that you can use to build into that. So if faith is important to you, don't exclude that from your your journey of, of your fitness journey. So that's one of the things. So it's, so it's creating support with what we already have versus looking at it now and that's you know probably more of the touchy-feely time type for me on my fitness journey i would say friends were important i have a very good friend and she to me was the key for unlocking my weight loss journey to be perfectly honest because i am such a perfectionist i can be very hard on myself so you know i'm like oh i didn't make that 30 minutes i didn't get two and a half hours this week Mm -hmm. this and that and so one day I was talking to her about how frustrated I was about losing weight in my fitness journey. And she just stopped me and she was like, be nice to Sylvia. I like her. About her saying that just like it, it hit me. I'm like, yeah, be nicer. Because when you're kind to yourself, you're not holding your or nice to yourself or to anyone. Let's not even say nice because most women were very caring and will help people. We're not going to be if, if your you know kid comes to you and like you know mom I didn't I wasn't able to get a hundred on my test this week. You're going to be like that's okay. You got an 89 and it's all right you'll try harder next time let's figure out what we can do to get those grades up or to see why you missed those points so that same kind of kindness that we would extend to other people we have to extend to ourselves so okay this week i wasn't able to make it in two and a half hours but let me look back and realistically think why that was oh my goodness you know it was the close of the month i had to get all those charts in i had to submit all my work at work you know there was a lot going on that was an obstacle it's not an excuse it's an obstacle to me getting this work done so it's so me getting that workout in all right but now that i identified the obstacles what could I have possibly done to do it instead to get that get that workout in instead? Or what food, how could I have set myself up to make better food choices? Okay, I know that it was a week that was filled with PTA meetings, soccer practices, football practices, dance practice, whatever. And so realistically, me thinking that I was going to cook dinner every night didn't make sense. But maybe instead of us rolling up to a fast food place, I could have just like meal prepped and made like chicken, some baked chicken or, you know, Mm -hmm. make some enough food for a day. Or I could have gone to a healthy place and gotten a family meal pack that we could have actually had two days of leftovers from. So those are the kind of choices when you're being kind to yourself. So I talk about faith. I talk about family. I talked about friends first and then family. So family is a tricky one, right? <laughs> because oh, yeah. sometimes, Just, yeah. <laughs> talk, let's talk about it. Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes our family can actually, it can help or it can hinder on the weight loss, on the weight journey. Because let's say, and especially for moms, they're like, I hear this all the time. My kid, my kids don't like eating that. 
or my husband does not like eating that. Uh And that's true. There's data to support that, right? Actually, for married couples, the data was done in married couples, and it probably could work for common law couples too, but for married couples that you're more likely to adhere to your diet plan or your healthy eating plan if your spouse is involved with you. And also in the first year, an interesting fact, in the first year of marriage, you're more likely to gain 15 pounds. So there's a newlywed 15 too for women because you start eating up to match. So, you know, so having that your partner, your spouse involved with you is so key because it will help. But what do you do if they're not involved? Like for me, I love my husband. He supports me as much as he can, but he has been blessed with a great metabolism. He got a six Mm -hmm. pack from drinking a six pack of Coke. Like he just gets it. It just comes naturally. He doesn't have to work out. So he can't really be on this journey with me because he can't get it. So he just eats what he wants to eat. Right. Mm. I'll ask him, I'll like, can you go get me uh, some fruit bars? And then one one time I asked him for that and he came back with like a, box of gelato and I'm like uh the nutritional <laughs> content of this is very different like you're not helping me not, so, at all. At not all. at all he feels like oh it's just ice cream yeah mm. And that's, and that's usually what I get. I usually get like, well, my, my kids don't eat that way. My, my family members don't mm-hmm. eat that way. And like, I don't have, maybe I don't have time to cook two different meals for two different, you know, groups of people. Exactly. Well, what I say is don't make it hard for yourself. And, and that's what I did. So number one, I shifted my mindset rather than saying, you know, oh, I don't have them. He's not helping me. Uh, my kids don't want this. I said, okay, well, this is another form of mommy me time. I get to eat. Mommy gets to eat what she wants to eat. They can eat whatever they want, but this is my me time. This is something I'm doing just for me. I'm going to eat that salad for me. I'm going to eat this kale for me. And that's how it's for me. You know, I'm buying my own personal groceries. Actually, now I've got a kind of territorial of it. Like I actually had guests recently and they were eating my um, special low carb bread. And I was kind of like, oh. Roll up off the bread because you know <laughs> the, the guest bread is over there to the other corner. You yes, know. yes. Eat everybody else's bread. This is Bobby's bread. Why are you eating my bread? So you know. So yes, it does. But that's how I changed my mindset about it to make it easy on myself. I keep the protein the same, but I cut the carb so we can eat the same protein. So be it chicken, be it you know turkey, be it fish, be it like tofu they're not eating it that's me so you know what i mean so (laughs) they're not eating that but so i keep the protein the same for the most part and then i keep the vegetables the same i'm lucky they do especially my son loves all vegetables so i keep the vegetables same but i cut the carb or i switch the carb out so i'm in a family of big rice eaters they like a lot of rice try to get them to eat brown rice is hard they like white rice so yeah (laughs) the brown rice talk over here doesn't even it doesn't even uh, i'm I'm haitian so i know exactly what that that white rice family is life i know i know what that life is like Yeah, so they're not trying to have that, you know, you know, sometimes if I get the right brand, like the Uncle Ben's brand of brown rice, I can interchange it out, but it has to be the first day, you know, it's very thing. So anyway, so that being said, I changed the carb out. So I will like 
I just do a half a plate of vegetables for myself, or I might do cauliflower rice for myself, and then they can eat that. And that makes it very easy because then I, or I put a salad, you know, then that way I'm not fixing two different meals. We're sharing the same protein. We're sharing the same vegetable. It's only a quick, simple thing that I have to do for myself. I love how you talked about having to make the, the mindset shift first before the action uh, mm-hmm. occurred, whatever that mm-hmm. action is. Because I, I think I think that, you know, really slows a lot of moms down. They they may know, they may read all that they needed to read and they've seen all the videos that need to do. And they have, mm-hmm. if that, that first step really doesn't happen then nothing subsequently uh, is successful. Well, I have been, you know, practicing now in, in the past five years, I've seen, I've had what, 15,000 plus patient encounters and I oh, started wow. obesity. Yeah, I know, right? Because they track us now. They track this data and, and I'm a nerd. Y'all know I'm a cool nerd. So I, I, I know this data. So, and then I, you know, and then I started weight loss doing, uh, you know, 40% weight loss exclusively in 2017, late 2016. So I've seen lots of patients, right? And one of the, and so I can, but I will say when it comes to weight loss, weight management, 90% of it is the mind. It's the mind. It, because when you, <laughs> you know, the old song says, free your mind and the rest will follow. Mm-hmm. Once you make that mindset shift, then these things that seemed hard, that seemed like ex- that were quote unquote excuses, your obstacles, you find a way around them. You find a solution for them. But it, so I really am a big proponent, big advocate of the mind. I recently was working with someone and they wanted me to just like, you know, give them a formula, just give me some exercises, just give me some mm-hmm. things. And realistically, you don't need me to do that. There billions of exercises you just go on youtube i love searching and finding new people to do that there are billions of diets and the data supports the best diet for you is the one that works right the one that you can stick to so it so it really comes down to me helping you change your mindset and i don't do it alone so when we talk about team the other part of your team is figuring out what those mindsets are for a lot of my patients they will end up going to see a therapist or a psychologist because they're it's deeper than the weight. I always say weight is not just a number, it's a story. There's a story behind what got that person to that weight. And once you unlock that story and figure it out, then both as the physician, both as the clinician, but also as them for themselves, then we can figure out. So sometimes we they end up needing a psychologist on their team and not just the provider, a physician mm. on their team okay. to help because there's a lot of comorbid, like depression, anxiety, trauma, PTSD. A lot of that is tied into weight as well. And I know you, I know you almost slipped up because I know you said you were taking out that word comorbidities out of there. I, was, uh, I know. <laughs> it was uh, obesity related. I know, I know. Because <laughs> I, I remember, because I remember being like, oh, nope, no see like, right, no see it. No <laughs> <laughs> so, so now that you, you, you have a team, right? You have, uh-huh. your, your mindset has shifted, right? I'm the busy mm-hmm. mom, right? Like I have mm-hmm. mentally made mm-hmm. uh, that leap, right? That I'm ready, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do I do next? Like, how do I, 
Like, how do I start? And I, I guess, now is that, would you say that's the, the start of their weight journey? Like, when, when does that actually begin? Yeah, I would say the weight, your weight journey starts once you decide and you make that change that you're ready to do it. No one can force you. No one can talk to you about it. You know, it's almost, I think, last time we talked about, I, I make it analogous for those who are in medicine or in healthcare to smoking cessation like when you stop smoking quitting smoking right you if you've ever been with a smoker to get them to actually quit smoke it doesn't matter what you put on the cigarette pad what you put on the tv it doesn't matter so we rate it we say you're either pre-contemplative meaning you're not even thinking about it so don't even talk mm. to it you're contemplative you're thinking about it got some idea but you're not ready for action yet you're in action phase and then you're in maintenance and then we Lapse. And so I, I treat obesity just like that, which is a Pachowski's model for change. That's the formal name of it. So, so when you now are conscious that you really want to change and you're ready to, so you're in the contemplative stage, that's step two. So now you're ready for action and to make the change. So I think, yes, the mind shift change is number one and then ready for action. So I think number one, I tell people to identify and I can send this to you, the link. I put it on my website. I made a little graph or sheet that kind of follows my weight loss journey. Okay. So and this this will I, be in the show notes for the one yeah. so you'll be able to uh, go directly to her site, download that. Get, yes. Get, get mentally. <laughs> <laughs> so so now that you're ready for it, you can write down. You need to write down, like acknowledge what are your barriers, what are the obstacles that you you face, be it time be it unsupportive family. So yeah, so getting started, what I tell you to do is, so address your obstacles and um, create opportunities. So what I recommend that you do is write down everything that you identify as an obstacle. The common term for it is excuses. People say, I just, it's just an excuse and this and that. But again, that mindset shift, right? Excuses is a very defeating term. It makes, it puts blame on you. like. I'm not doing something I'm supposed to do, but I could be doing it. So I shifted from saying, it's not an excuse. It's your life. It's a barrier to what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish it. So instead it's an obstacle. And once you recognize it's an obstacle, but that I view obstacles as opportunities. So now you have an opportunity to change what you're doing. So, and so what I'll do, so like lack of time, for instance, what are your, what opportunities can you create for time in your schedule and give yourself some options, give yourself A, B, C, but even D, E, F. So like for me, when I started back in late 2014, my obstacle time was a huge obstacle because at that time, my husband was commuting about two hours a day back and forth. So that meant when I got home, I had to take care of the baby or the, he, the, the my little toddler. And that made it hard for me to go to the gym and exercise, right? So what opportunities can I do? All right, well, let me exercise in the morning instead. And, and how much time I'm more of a morning person anyway let me try to get up earlier and exercise in the morning maybe I can get a baby stroller like a jogging stroller so I actually got one of those offline maybe I can find a gym that has childcare in with it so I will join the gym with childcare in it okay well sometimes I can't get to the gym what can I do let me do some I started actually with Shanti 
rock and body. Okay. <laughs> so I started with that. Because actually one of my first obstacles was I didn't like exercising. At least I thought I didn't like exercising. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, that, that, I think that's very telling because I think a lot of people don't realize like that's actually a actually yeah, got like it's an obstacle. You have to like it, and that's why we, when you don't like doing something, you'll find any reason not to do it. <laughs> so of course I don't have time because I don't like it. And mm. and what I realized in that, so that's actually a huge not just a mindset mindset shift, but also a barrier obstacle. So what I realized is I was trying to force myself to do things I didn't like to do. So when I started with rock and body, which was just like dancing, and I'm not a good dancer, but it made me feel like I was. So I like doing that with Shanti. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like doing that. It made me feel good, you know. And it has short workouts. So it has some as short as 10 minutes and some as long as 45 minutes. And then I started the running, which one of my colleagues that I work with, he's like in, oh, he actually just turned 60. Yeah, we celebrated his 60. He's 60 years old, but he's been running for a year. Yeah, so 30 plus years, he's done the Boston Marathon, lots of things. So seeing him and just his consistency with it really inspired me. And so that's how I started. I trained for the first 10K that that I did. And because he was doing it and, you know, he really motivated me to do it. And then I found I liked running, you know, and so I kept going, kept adding it, kept adding distance, adding distance, did a marathon in 2016 and kept doing the 10K and did my fifth monument 10k this year was my fifth one five wow. four months postpartum congratulations so, thank you so but you don't know what you like to do until you try you know whereas then i have other friends i have colleagues they like doing crossfit they like doing hit they like doing weightlifting I don't like doing that stuff. I recognize the value of it, but I know for myself, I don't like it. I have to do it because it's good for the strengthening aspect of it. So I say, figure out what you like, because you may say, I hate exercise. I don't like exercise, but really you just haven't found what you like to do. So challenge yourself to find an activity and think about activities you don't consider exercise that you do enjoy doing. Like, do you enjoy dancing? Do you enjoy being outdoors? Do you enjoy Because then maybe you can find uh, some form of exercise, quote unquote, that you enjoy doing too. What I love love about what you just said, especially because it's kind of eye-opening, is that a lot of us, when we say, well, I don't have the time, right, to to, Mm -hmm. to exercise, what we're really Mm -hmm. saying is, I don't like that exercise that y'all want me Mm -hmm. to find time for, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to find time to do it. Exactly. So, so once you find once you find something you like, whatever that that mm-hmm. something is mm-hmm. from, from an exercise standpoint, all of a sudden, you know, you'll wake up early in the morning. You'll you'll mm-hmm. stay up late at night. You'll squeeze it in during lunch. You'll do things mm-hmm. for stuff you like, which which makes sense. Right. Again, when we, mm-hmm. when we got a food we like, we'll we'll do whatever we got to do for that food we like. Right. Mm-hmm. When we have an activity we like, we'll do whatever we have to do. And mm-hmm. I think once we, we hold up that same appraise with an exercise, whatever that exercise is for you, mm-hmm. uh, you You'll, you'll find the time, right? You're, the kids, some mm-hmm. the kids got to go to sleep, right? You know, the, the spouse got to go to sleep. The family got to get taken care. Mm-hmm. You, you got time to kind of be by yourself. And, and I like that you said maybe you don't have time to go somewhere, right? Maybe there's some mm-hmm. stuff you can do even in your own house to, to kind of maximize the free time that you do have. Exactly. And and that was another. You brought up a good one. Another barrier, right? Healthy food doesn't taste good to me. Like that was probably you know, <laughs> it's, like I said, it's been five years. Oh, so I yeah. forget where I started. Right? We went to front and act like we've been there like we 
all I've always been healthy. I've always been on this fitness journey. No, I did not like healthy food when I first started. So that was the mind first mindset shift for me is just like, okay, well, let so what how I actually worked around this because I'm a foodie. Both of my parents, my parents owned a restaurant when I was a kid. I grew up like just immersed in food, food culture, food's a big part of my life. But what I challenged myself with was how can rather than saying I don't like healthy food, maybe again, I'm not liking the healthy food I'm choosing, or Mm -hmm. I'm choosing tasteless food, I'm not applying the same principles of foodism to my food, Uh, so my healthy food. So what I will do is challenge myself to make my healthy food as delicious as possible, but still healthy, and to find healthy options when I go out to eat. Because, you know, again, being busy, I do have to eat out a lot. I do sometimes, some weeks, if it's very busy, I may not have the time to cook the way I want to. But let me challenge myself to find those restaurants that have healthy options. And let me challenge myself when I cook to make it delicious, healthy and delicious, not just something dry or bland because I say I'm going to eat healthy. Don't punish yourself. Enjoy what you're eating, but just try to stay within the parameters of making it healthy. Because to me, if you're a good cook, if you're a true foodie, then you can find deliciousness and make deliciousness with anything. Anyone can make it delicious if you get to put a whole stick of butter in it and half a cup of sugar. (laughs) But it takes real skill to make, you know, some quinoa delicious or to make this tofu delicious. So that's what I've been, what I've challenged myself to do. And that's kind of how I walked around the barrier of not really finding healthy food at that time appealing now when we talk about healthy food right because this is this is what this Mm -hmm. is where this is where even me personally right i always run into issue right i'm a very Mm -hmm. visual person with the food Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some of the foods that they call healthy (laughs) right and i gotta ask that question Mm -hmm. too that's probably even the secondary question like some of the foods that they call healthy really really don't be looking don't look good like i haven't even Mm -hmm. like tasted it yet but Sometimes that mental barrier to even taste of food mm-hmm. that's that's healthier for me is difficult because I'm like, oh, that food don't even like what is that? Like that's that's sometimes mm-hmm. I get to like what, what, what am I looking at right here? Like I think <laughs> the, the hospital they do this they they always have like a vegetarian section. They have this thing that it looks like meatballs, but I know for a fact it's not meatballs. It looks like meatballs. I know for a fact it's not meatballs, and then it's it's almost like hard like a rock. Like it's I'm like yeah, oh God, I, like how eating this? Like oh, they're okay eating like it's. <laughs> And that's what always gets me. Like, and I know that's probably gonna get a lot of moms out there, right? Like, if the food don't look good to us, right, uh-huh. it's difficult for us to even put it in our mouth to want to eat. Exactly. So, what I would challenge you to, what I would say to that is, you're right. Then don't eat what doesn't look good to you. Like personally, for me, and and that's again about knowing yourself, right? And that mindset shift. I don't like fake food, and I shouldn't call it fake, but I don't like look-alike <laughs> foods, like fake chicken. I told you I like chicken. Okay, I finally have found one brand that actually does taste like chicken, and it's made from. But when I read the ingredients, like you, when I know what's in it, like. Do I really want to eat this? It's made for like weed, soy, and some kind of fungus. But it really tastes like chicken. But before that, I don't like those like fake meatballs. I don't like fake things like that. Because you're right. 
psychologically I'm expecting the taste, the texture of right. a meatball that I'm used to. And then when I get this, my brain is like automatically going to think it tastes <laughs> gross because, you know, it's not the meatball that I'm used to. So I would say focus on what you do like. So if you like vegetables, so initially with it, you know, I know that I like vegetables. So a lot of my things is stir fry. If you even look on my Instagram page and stuff like that, there are a lot of stir fries mm-hmm. because I can eat vegetables. There's a lot of eggplant. I like eggplant. It's hearty. There's a portobello mushrooms. It's hearty. So more of the more vegetables, which, you know, the plant-based community will argue that's healthier for you anyway and cleaner for you than even something that's processed to look like meat in the first place. Mm. So I would say if you identify that, then don't eat it because you already if you don't think it looks good and you're right most of food is first visual and not only visual but also smell too Mm -hmm. so if you have that perception before you even put it in your mouth it is not going to taste good once it hits the cognitive part of your brain Mm -hmm. you know because it's missing all those functions it's missing the texture it's missing the taste that you're expecting and no one would like that So don't eat it. <laughs> That's what I say. Know yourself and don't eat it. <laughs> Find something else that is is appealing to you. Like maybe make a list of it. Now it is more challenging for those people who say I don't like vegetables, which I do run into people like that, or I only like fruit. That's again add into your team, which is the second part. So you ask, how do you get started? So one, address and address your obstacles and create opportunities. Two is assemble your team. Like we talked about your support system and your structure. Like, you know, I use the principle fitness inspired through teamwork. That's my handle mm-hmm. or whatever, F-I-T-T. So we need a team, right? So who's on your team? So maybe you need a dietitian on your team professionally because um, you don't like a lot of foods or you have health conditions like diabetes, hypertension, mm-hmm. pre-diabetes, insulin resistance. You have conditions that do require special attention to come up with a, a specialized or individualized food plan. And I tell people all the time, while having a physician, so if you can find an obesity medicine physician in your area, you can go on the OMA website, which we can put in the show notes also. They can help you get started. But when it comes to nutrition counseling, I'm a type of person, I like to acknowledge my my limitations in my training and to help my patients get to where they need to go. So I say doctors, we do drive-through nutrition counseling. And that's for many reasons. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, you just roll us and drive through. We tell you a couple of things. Don't eat carbs. Don't drink sugar. And oh, go. Yeah. But when you go to a nutritionist, they give you like a full four course meal nutrition nutrition mm. counseling because they can go through in detail. They have the time, go through in detail, see what is what works for you, what doesn't work and look at everything like that and come up with a very detailed plan. So I always recommend if you have a lot of barriers to things you like, dislike, health conditions, you should see start with your physician, but definitely see a nutritionist to help you on okay. your team. And the, and the team that I use, you know, like I said, I use my F. So, you know, faith, family, friends, physician or primary care provider, psychologist, dietitian, you know, so a comprehensive team is important to helping you with your weight journey. Ah, that's beautiful. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm, so I'm a busy mom, right? I, mm-hmm. I made the mental switch, right? Mm-hmm. I got my team together. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to I, identify, right? You know mm-hmm. what things what things I will make mm-hmm. time for, right? Because we know the time is there, right? We've already mm-hmm. the mental shift has already said, like you know, time is there. 
So mm-hmm. we already know the time is there. Now we're starting to identify this is I, I, I like this exercise. I don't like this exercise. So I'm going to lean towards this uh, way over here. And now we're even starting to like even say, you know what, maybe I can eat healthy. Right now, I'm, I'm asking that a little bit later as far, especially when we talk about eating out, because I always get that excuse. I'm eating healthy and I'm doing everything like, well, how come I haven't lost my 20 pounds yet? Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is mm-hmm. I think that's the part of the journey that I feel like people hit the stop sign and breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's when they kind of get off. Right. Because they for mm-hmm. some and again, it may be kind of going back to having more realistic goals. Right. But mm-hmm. they don't. Right. They say I haven't lost my 20 pounds and now they're back to see you because they say, hey, I did all mm-hmm. these things and mm-hmm. the weight's not coming off. Right. Like, what do mm-hmm. I do? All right. So going back to the steps, let me just reiterate one more time. So getting mm-hmm. started. So address obstacles and create opportunities. Assemble your support team. And then the third thing is to act daily. Do something daily towards those goals that you have set. So even if you can't get your 30 minutes in one day, okay, do one minute. Because I find when it comes to mindset, it comes to momentum, <laughs> you just got to keep going. I don't allow myself to go more than 48 hours without exercise. Because I find that that third day, that's when the inertia or the laziness (laughs) sets Mm -hmm. in and it gets harder for me to get back on my routine. I mean, unless, of course, I'm sick or something like that. There have been times when I've been sick and I had to go a week. But since starting, so that third day, come hell, come high water, I'm going to do something. And whether it's just one minute of plank, you know, and I, I view my time bank of fitness as a whole, as a bank account, right? Rather than viewing it like I have to do 30 minutes each day. No, I have to get in two and a half hours this week. And however I get that two and a half hours is fine. So if I just do 10 minutes today, but over the weekend, I can do an hour then it's all working towards the same goal rather than being very rigid that you have to do 30 minutes every day or something like that. So break it up how it works for you. So do something every day. Maybe today I'm going to, instead of having that chocolate chip cookie at 3 p.m., I'm going to have make a choice and choose to just have an apple at 3 p.m. instead. Mm. So that's what I mean by acting daily. Now, when you talk about it, and I wanted to make sure we clarified that before we shift into the weight, because then the weight loss part of Mm -hmm. it, because you're right, the struggle is real. (laughs) So the way that I talk about this, which I mentioned in the first podcast, was just that, number one, we got to think about a couple of things. From a evolution or hysterical, whatever you believe in, point of view, we were not made to lose weight, right? Weight has an advantage. Excess weight, it, weight, the reason why we have this adipose or this fat tissue is to protect us and to serve as a storage for energy, to serve as a storage for food, for times of scarcity, right? And so I always tell my patients who have obesity and they laugh, I hope you will too, that if we were in like caveman times or they would be queen of the king or the jungle and I would be eating. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just real, right? You have a, you have a protective advantage of where you are. But unfortunately, as we have now moved into food positive times where we don't need this extra adipose or this extra tissue to hang out like we did before, now the body is not used to getting rid of it and certainly not used to getting rid of it as quickly as possible. So we know from a lot of studies that have been done, like, you know, the show The Biggest Loser study came out and it showed that most of those people who lost all that weight so quickly 
through a very intensive process with a lot of teams uh, of people. For those people, they gained most of the weight back. And part of that, when they looked at the biology of it, their body set into motion a whole process for them to regain their weight, like their metabolic rate slowed down. There was release of uh, hormones good. that made them hungrier, that made them not process the um, fat and sugar as well. So there was a lot going on. For because of the fact that they lost the weight so rapidly and how much of the weight was lost. So we know that, you know, we have physiology fighting against us in many ways. And then also psychologically, you're, as you're alluding to, it's just the fact that, oh, I'm not losing weight how I feel or as quickly as I feel. And so and then we do other things and we go back into old habits as mm-hmm. well that do it. So when we talk about weight loss, it's very complicated. But then from a more practical perspective, so that's all the nerdy science kind of stuff and the psychological stuff. But let's be real. It took you 50 years to gain all that weight. Why do you think you should lose it all in 50 let's, days? Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> it took you 50 years. So, so I, I tell my patients that. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> Give us some time. Give, Give us some, some time. Some I time. love it. And, I and, love that. And that that rapid weight loss is very traumatic for the body. It is. It is. So the body is going to say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're starving. Why are we losing so much weight? Let me slow down this process a little bit. Let me give myself time to get used to all these changes. And so you may experience what is called a weight loss plateau. Now there's controversy. Some people don't believe in it, this and that. I believe in it. I've seen it. And I think the science does support it. And it makes sense. Like your body needs time to get used to um, the changes that are being made. So I think during those times when you feel like the weight is not coming off as quickly as it should, that is definitely the time if you don't already have a good support system to seek it out. And, And again, I mean, no shade to any other specialty or profession, but I know the training that I got as I transitioned from internal medicine to obesity medicine, I learned a lot about what to do during those times and to really about treating obesity as a disease. Um, yeah. So th- that would be a great time if you are do have access to an obesity specialist or clinician in your area to try to seek one out to see if they can help you lose weight. Now, in terms of what you should look for in one, I think that probably should be a whole nother segment, Dr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barry, because I could go on for a long time. But you do need to seek help to help you through the weight loss plateau. And that help, just in short, may include dietary changes. It may include behavioral changes. And it actually should include a lot of those. And then sometimes if you already optimize on all those things especially, I'm sorry, a key one for working moms, I should say, is sleep. You need seven to nine hours of sleep at night to Mm -hmm. lose weight. That is um, because all of our natural weight burning, fat burning um, hormones, uh, weight loss hormones, they are reset when we sleep and when we get into the right circadian rhythm. And that takes about seven to nine hours at night. And then also stress, you need your stress level to be low. So stress management is a key part of it because people who rate their stress levels as moderate to high on average will weigh about 11% more than people who rate their stress levels mm. as low. 
So you need to really make sure that those are in place. And then if all those things are in place, then this is when a physician or clinician may say, maybe we should do weight loss medication. And there are several on the market that have been approved to help treat the disease of obesity and to help with weight loss. Um, so that's when, and that's what we may need to almost quote unquote trick the body out of this kind of plateau state or non-weight burning state, okay. fat burning state. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, what, what, what after, so after action and what, what's our, our, our next step of plan or action or, so we, we've got our action. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it at least, at least a minute. I, I love, I love that uh-huh, at least a minute uh-huh. because. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, the moms do feel guilty. They do feel guilty. Oh, yeah. Just, just couldn't. We do. I just couldn't get it mm-hmm, in. I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to, but mm-hmm. so-and-so happened. And mm-hmm. I, I, I know I know when I'll be working out. Like, I, I try to work out in the mornings, uh, but usually my twins usually t- thwart that, right? Because <laughs> if they wake up early, mm-hmm. there's two of them. Mm-hmm. So someone's got to be with the, the oh, one who's yeah. awake. And it's usually me, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So I, I know there's always obstacles there in the way. So I do love that we give mm-hmm. them opportunity to say, no, you know, it's, it's okay. Just to put it in the bank. We, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a race. We just need you to get there. We just need you to get there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be mm-hmm. the first. We just got to get you to, mm-hmm. to that point every mm-hmm. single week, which I love. And I stand for it. Um, when, when they get to this point, right? When they get to that point in their, their action and they're losing weight and, and, and now they're feeling good about themselves, right? Like, w- like what do you do? Like, how, how, like, like how do you counsel them to, to stay on it, right? Because, again, mm-hmm. and, and I, love, I love the fact that, you know, we, we're really calling this a journey, right? Because this is something that is a lifelong thing that they need to, like, handle. Like, what are some of the things that you've seen that's, that's caused people to maybe backslide a little bit? And wh- what are some of the tips that you have to mm-hmm. say, like, keep on going? Mm-hmm. So the next stage in the stages of change is maintenance, right? So you, that's what you're right. We're in action. Mm-hmm. Now we just need to maintain it. And we, you've already addressed some things. So lack of results, right, is is a key thing, like you mentioned. So people who may lose that initial five to 10 pounds and get it off very quickly because it's more water weight and people in the body was ready to give that. But then you get to a place where maybe you've lost now five to 10% of your body weight and then your body kind of plateaus or is not losing as quickly. So people get discouraged and the negativity sets in. I think it's very important then to, again, tap into your team and figure out what's going on. That's the time to make the appointment with someone. That's to talk to your friends who are on the journey with you, those people who are going to support you, your family, your faith, tap into your faith, your those things to keep you on the journey. And that's the glue that's kind of keeping you going during those times when you may feel discouraged on your own, because everybody will feel that way. I think number one, again, mindset shift is just knowing that this plateau or this lack of results is part of the journey. Number two, knowing that it's a constant journey. So you mentioned something that's very common, like, yeah, I have a a five month old now. She often wakes up, but if you follow my Instagram stories, you'll see her in that video with me, right? So that means... (laughs) Maybe I had planned to go out for a run that morning, but she woke up. So now we may be doing a carry fit or like a baby carrier exercise instead. Mm. And I'm just lifting weights with her or, you know, if she won't, that's if she won't let me put her down or I'll put her in a thing and I'll exercise in the swing or something. So 
you know, knowing that it's going to be constantly something, something will always be there. That's the other mindset struggle. So not just because, okay, I've declared this thing and I'm going to do it, that it's going to be quote unquote easy. It's not going to be easy. There will always be some barrier there, but you get better at figuring out how can I navigate around that? So that's why I say mindset is so important because that's what's going to help you to maintain and continue the weight, the weight journey. So now that you've lost the weight or you're in the process of losing the weight, continuing to go. And so that's how I know in the office and in the clinical setting, how I support my patients. So number one, showing up, right? Sometimes you have a tendency to hide when you haven't reached the goal or the goal is not going the way you want. Don't hide, still show up, come to your appointment, call your friend call your trainer and i'm so sorry my fitness trainer friends are going to be so mad at me yes fitness trainers they're very important on this journey too <laughs> you know i i'm more um like individual because my exercise is more of my me time but definitely if you struggle with being alone or working out alone get a trainer get someone that to help you and they and i and i'm actually going to get a trainer it later on this year too because they can help you get to that next level of fitness that you want to get to or you need to get to so yes tapping into the resources you need show up using your team and and i and still continually reevaluating what is working what isn't working and knowing that you need a you're going to need a change like i can't tell you how many times i was come feel like I was finally in a groove with my, especially fitness. And I focus on fitness, but food, of course, is the number one thing for weight loss. But fitness helps me so much. So I would get my fitness schedule down, and then my husband's work schedule would change. And I'd be like, dang, I just got it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sorry, I'm waking up the baby. (laughs) So, you know, know, it's always going to be something. I think that's what I've learned. And that's, that's life, right? There's always going to be something but your ability to adapt which probably you could so see that great as we talk it helps out so much right i just added a fourth a so i had assess i had um assemble i had act now i have uh, oh shoot did i just already forget it This is that sleep deprivation kick in. But no, but but yeah, so you I just added a, a fourth aid to it though. So you have you have assess, you have so you acknowledging those barriers, you have assembling your team, you have acting daily, and then and then assess. So constantly mm-hmm. reassessing what needs to change, what needs what you need help with. That's so important. I love it. And, and we, mm-hmm. obviously, we, before we get you out of here, mm-hmm. again, amazing teaching education. And, and, and I know, obviously, we, we talked about the moms, of course, busy dads. I know y'all out there, y'all could clearly follow yeah. this. But we got to talk about the moms because, you know, we, we know how hard they work. Um, <laughs> before we let you get out of here, right? Like, one, I need, I need you to tell everyone, like, again, and we've talked about it before, like, how can, how can they get in touch with you, reach you? learn from you read like what 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 is out there for, for dr Bowley that they can kind of consume because because i think you know they're going to listen to this and they're going to go back and listen to uh, episode 93 and they're gonna be like wow you know, this is a person like, I'm, i need to follow like how, how can they follow and learn and uh, continue to kind of f- even follow your journey that you, you're still on as we speak yeah well definitely through social media i have a website dr sylvia g com. i also am very active on on Facebook, 
I do weekly live postings where I teach on different topics um, and I am committed <laughs> to trying to do those weekly now. Mm-hmm. I also post regularly on Twitter, on Instagram, just to keep us all motivated on our fitness journey. And that's my main goal, just showing real life examples of trying to fit into fit, fit in fitness and fit in healthy eating into a busy lifestyle, especially as a working mom. So your social media is the best way okay so i like i asked all my guests on the podcast you know Mm -hmm. what what do you how is what you do helping to empower busy moms you know across the world uh, empower themselves for better health i think uh what i'm doing is helping busy moms across the world because i'm empowering us to just be ourselves and work within those confines of being ourselves work within that rather than try to fit any mold fit any model and putting yourself under like you mentioned a lot of guilt a lot of pressure like I my goal and how I hope to help all of us is to just help us realize that number one it's possible to fit in fitness it's possible to fit in healthy eating and it doesn't have to be the way that anyone else does it but in the way that works best for you love it love it again let's not give I want to thank Dr. Boli for coming on the second time and dropping even more gems than she did the first time and, you know, blessing us, uh, educating us and really getting us right and together, especially for my busy moms out there. I know a lot of them are, I know I got a lot of them in the Lunchtime community who are, who are starving for an episode like this. So again, thank you for uh, joining the show today. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunchlearnpod all in one word dot com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye